hello everyone from Commerce Party. Uh, I'm welcomed by a very special guest. Uh, he was an esteemed employee at Blue Acorn for many years and is now at Shopware. Please welcome Ben Marks. Oh, you worked at Adobe too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I've been around, as they say. I've been planning that all day to announce you as a Blue Acorn employee because I just thought it'd be really funny. Oh, and I still miss that crew. You know, honestly, I, I actually just said this the other day on Twitter. If, if the opportunity with Magento hadn't come around, then I you know, very likely would still be an employee at Blue Acorn. I'm a big fan of them to this day. They, they do awesome stuff there. It's interesting, though, because I've seen some Acorners uh, shaking from the tree lately and heading over to oldcart.com. Yep, there's, well, cart.com, I've watched, uh, there's some old colleagues I have from the Magento Adobe world who I know have gone over there, who else, uh, Julio Carpentier, and, you know, it's the ebb and flow of employees among partners mm-hmm. in the ecosystem is alive and well. You know, I always think that's 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 okay and it's healthy. It provides, there's a lot of benefit in people who have been on the agency side to come into the platform world, people from the platform world going into the agency side, and and tech partners, everyone benefits, I think, by cross-pollination, uh, as long as it's done on the up and up. It is It is a very incestuous. Uh, I mean, you know, depends on, personally, haven't been in any of those kind of uh, employer-employee relationships, but I'll take your word for it. A powerful nepotism clause are important. <laughs> I, I, that, the one thing I remember Karen told me when I first started was Karen was like, don't send any mean emails that you're not going to regret because people move companies in e-commerce very often. Yeah. And I've thought about that. And I've, I have some drafts still sitting there and I'm just like, you know, one of these days, it might just hit, it might hit send on that. Well, yeah. So there is that. I mean, there. I think there there can be cause for hard and direct communications, but nothing. I mean, nothing should ever be mean because at the end of the day, we're in this. You know, we're all in this for business. That's why I think it doesn't make sense to mix any kind of you know, to leave the innuendo and leave the you know leave leave as much emotion as possible at the door, and let's just do our business together. Let's take the Dutch approach and just be very direct and make things nice and efficient. But yeah, you can, you can absolutely burn bridges easily here and you may not realize how much of an impact it'll have until, you know, <laughs> six months later when all of a sudden the- you get an email from, you get an email from a company that's a partner. And it's like, Hey, such and such join. And you're like, Oh, yep. Interesting. Yep. So speaking of companies, congratulations on the uh, investment for shopware. So that's the, that's a series a correct. So this is the first cash in the bank. That's not from what y'all earned. Yes. Series A, I mean, it implies, that almost to me implies like multiple series or anything. It is. It's a slope. It's a slippery slope. Once, once you get your hand in the cookie jar once, it's kind of hard to stop. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, so yes, it can be. And I think it also, it it speaks to, you know, the kinds of investments, the environment that we're working in right now, where, you know, there's so much money, so much money, you know, billions and billions in venture and private equity have become trillions, it seems. Mm -hmm. At least it feels like that, but each each case is going to be is going to be different. I mean, are we? Did we just you know do the twenty twenty version of like come up with an idea, you know, come up with an idea, put dot com at the end, and just expect the tons of money to come flowing in? Fortunately, all of the equity investment activity in the last you know couple of years has been. It certainly seems a lot smarter than the dot com era. At least less naive. Really, you think so? I, I I think so. I mean, so the thing is, this money, a lot of this money is just play money. It just kind right. of materialized overnight, and so people are trying to convert that into something a little more tangible and see what and see what sticks. But you really have to look at every deal, and when you look at the shopware shopware funding, like a hundred million in funding relative to our annual receipts, which have been you know growing steadily over time is quite small. 
I mean, this this investment for me, the most important thing about this investment is the the legitimacy that it gives mm. shopware that it lends to shopware. And this is following a great trend. I was just reading uh, an article in Internet World German publication. So this was uh, Jan Eiben and Ralph Hübner. And in English, the title is a kind of seal of approval for the German digital commerce market. So you've seen you've seen several successful startups come out of out of Germany. You have like so you have you know, Shopware, which has been around for quite some time. Although the current the current iteration of Shopware, this this you know truly open source, truly open source, truly world focused brand, is a few years in the making. Right. right. So that started with the latest version of the platform. But there's there's also Commerce Tools and Spryker, which have both you know both platforms mm-hmm. that are making you know trying to make moves internationally. But both both firms that have s- seen substantial investment. So we have this kind of we have this environment where the investment activities, you know, certainly give give credence to the stuff coming out of Germany and who doesn't appreciate good German engineering. I drive an Audi. So there you go. And in the shopware case, I think we do see a very a very focused narrow investment from I would say a fairly conservative player in in Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the oldest PE firms out there. What made you choose Carlisle and PayPal? Because I, knowing from uh, as being a current bootstrap company and for a while as well, you know, it's kind of, you have your choice. Like that's the thing that, you know, you, you, you chose those guys. It's not, so what, what made you go with those direct, with, you know, Carlisle and PayPal? Well, to, I mean, to be clear, the decision was, was certainly not mine. This was just, a, I want to put a pin in that for a second. Okay. I have a conspiracy theory that I want to talk about. Okay. You worked at Magento and then Magento got money from PayPal. Yep. It was in February and February. I looked this up uh-huh. and then Shopware gets money from PayPal. So my question is, is who do you know at PayPal and are you a part of the PayPal mafia? I can't even get my wife's like maiden name account updated at PayPal. So I don't know. I know lots of fantastic people at PayPal and I am super thrilled that there is this like strategic partner situation where it's not just a PE firm, it's also a substantial partner of ours right. involved. But, and I love, you know, Rachel and, and so many others that I've met over the years at PayPal, I'm stoked that I'll be working with them closely again. But yeah, for our case, I was teaching the Magento class. I was still a Blue Acorn employee, even for a few years after the PayPal investment mm. with Magento. And, but I did happen to be there teaching a class upstairs from the big employee area at the LA office of Magento back in 2011 when, yes, in fact, uh, I was interrupted because we were, we were actually filming the class at the time. That was the class that was filmed that became the Magento Fundamentals of Development course that was offered online. Mm-hmm. And they came up and said, hey, we're, you're going to need to pause because there's going to be a lot of screaming and shouting next door because we're about to announce that we've been acquired. So I have been you know, strangely proximal or you know, adjacent to these, to these deals. But in this case, Carlisle is just really, really smart money with some great portfolio brands that I think I would, I'd love to see us become involved with, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a good fit. And, you know, but also a, a great, you know, great established tenured legacy, whatever you want to call it, PE firm is going to have a lot of the connections that can help us, you know, I think help Shopware really become part of the discussion mm-hmm. in various boardrooms and executive meetings. You know, and these are, these are meetings where I think Shopware has, has had a legitimate place for the past, you know, at least year and a half, but for the brand awareness. So they're, they're a real quick shortcut. We still have 
plenty of work to do to continue the trend of internationalization and right. kind of up leveling of our of our skills over the next you know over the next year or two. But I'm I'm glad we're in a position now where people can can see that it's not it's not just me out there saying yeah I think the world really there's a case. There's a case for open commerce. There's a case still for open source and for right. platforms that allow people to do whatever they need. That's where that's where I think it, it really this deal is a is a is a smart deal and and true to form. You know, the the Haman brothers, the two founders, have been at this business for over 20 years. They retain not just a simple majority, but a a staunch majority as far as being able to control. That's nice to see. It, it, that's good because, you know, the fear is, is that, you know, it, it gives the stamp of legitimacy, but then it's also kind of a, a Trojan horse play of cool. Hey, you know, we're the open source community. Come join us. Come join us. Yep. You get the money and you throw it in that SaaS offer, the hosted offering that you guys have. And it's, yeah. you know, it, it propels that way. Yeah. The eBay situation. So back in, you know, the early 20 teens um, or 2010s, you know, eBay was just focused on something very, very different. Mm-hmm. And, and Magento was just kind of like a little checkbox part, you know, wheel in the cog. And there was a lack of appreciation of the ecosystem, complete lack of, lack of interest uh, and maybe even some outright animosity towards the open source end of the business. You know, then Magento goes private, uh, you know, under private equity, and then Adobe comes in. And Adobe from the very beginning was very clear like, hey, we really value this open source ecosystem. That's a big part of the valuation. I, I mean, I think it was really still just a simple multiple of revenue. Right. But Adobe did give attention to um, the open source world and, and the value of the, the ecosystem there. But, you know, we see, I think we see Adobe these days, you know, making, sending some clear signals about going up market. Right. And that, that transition was always going to be difficult for people in the open source side of the business and the smaller the smaller end of the business with where the only connection to Adobe is legacy Magento mm-hmm. and not Adobe Experience Manager and these other things. So I am glad to see that my former friends and colleagues in the Magento Association have, you know, along with the Hiva project by Will and Wigman and others, you know, that they're all working together to demonstrate the the interest and the imperative for open source in that world. And I'm glad it's there because I welcome, you know, I, I welcome competition mm-hmm. among platforms as I always have. Absolutely. You've always been really big on that, which I've always, which I always loved at the, your time at Magento. It was never, you were never the fanboy. It was, you know, giving Toby his props and speaking so nicely of Brent and what they did. It's always been, it was one of the things that was always really nice. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I mean, if I were in a position to critique, you know, Toby at Shopify or Brent at Big Commerce, I that would be that would be amazing uh, to 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 have have that much success that I would think I would be able to justify, you know, a withering critique of anything they do. But bottom line, they both I think are, are running great businesses. You know, Shopify drives enables. If we look at if we look at the e e commerce world, the e commerce platform landscape, especially. You know, Shopify brings brings so many businesses to life. You know, gives them possibility that they wouldn't have otherwise. And I think big commerce, you know, has has a has a place there as well. And you know, and then I've I've always heard great things about big commerce's partner program. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be a, a like a a reference model for others to to go after. Uh, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good there. I just think as long as the platforms, given the amount of of money and and interest and attention that exists in e-commerce. 
it is on the platforms to really truly understand, you know, their ideal customer profile, to really understand where they fit relative to their competitors and to be true, you know, in all cases to the business that they're, that they're engaged in because, because things are so good in the world of e-commerce, any kind of confusion or, you know, mismatching, it just takes unnecessarily takes time and money and attention away from the, the the overall health of this ecosystem. So I think that's my simple reason for always advocating for other platforms and occasionally reaching out to the executives at these other platforms and just let them know when I think they're either going against type or they're they're competing or attempting to compete in an unfair way. Right. So one of the things I'm curious about, because I think that you could say that shopware is, you know, not in tenure, but maybe in, you know, overall, like a land grab perspective is in, is in more of an infancy stage. Do you see that as a pro or a con? Because I, I, as we talk about this, and as I think if I had shopware and I had, you know, extra cash on top of the cash you guys probably have in the bank, there's a way that you could kind of slither between these, <laughs> these platforms that I think would put you guys in a stronger loophole. Like, have you thought about that? And do you guys have ideas of how you're going to start spending this money? Like, what's the, what's what, what could be shared around that? Yeah. Well, first, you know, private jet for me, um, always wanted one of those. No. Oh, that actually reminds me. My, my 30th birthday is March 16th. I would like to know what Shopware is going to get me. You don't have to say that right now. What'd you say? March 16th, 30th birthday. Okay. You guys just got a hundred million dollars. It doesn't need to be a private jet. I, I don't have nowhere to put that, but just floating that out there. I'll buy you some brisket. How's that sound? That's fair. Yeah, that's good. But no, how are you guys going to slither around? Like you guys, it's because, you know, Shopify has their, they have the hype, they have the empower your people. Big commerce has their open SaaS approach. You know, cart.com is buying anybody they can. Yeah. Like what do you see like Shopware being able to do with this? For sure. Overwhelmingly happy with the investment. A little guarded though, because even though I'm, I'm, I'm inside, I have the experience I have. Like I also want to make sure that, that there is no there is no insidious like deviation from our core mission of enabling you know our merchants to build exactly the experiences that their customers need the investment it is overwhelmingly net beneficial mm-hmm. however i have enjoyed just being able to go like operate under the radar and, and just kind of get quick wins where i can and and just you know slowly steadily lay foundations like in the nordics in north america you know even starting down in central and south america to just slowly build this business and then all of a sudden just jump up and say bam here we are here. and 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 then all of a sudden our competitors are like wait we've been trying you know like vtex trying to win business in the us spryker trying to win business in the us and then all of a sudden shopware is just off and running i think you know now that the investment news is out there. It certainly gives a little more attention and people are going to look around and expect results. Do you think it legitimizes it as well? So it's not just the, sort of the smaller player in Germany. And I don't mean that in a negative yeah, way at all. It, Yeah. The, I think that's what I think is the bigger deal here is that having the, having the stamp from somebody like Carlisle and PayPal yeah. is worth more than the hundred million for you guys, especially. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it's the, the money, the money is the least interesting part of this deal. Right. It's, it's really, it's about the it is about that credence that it gives us. It is about that, all the connections that we, you know, that we can get from this. So Shopware's legitimacy was there, irrespective of this investment. But the investment certainly gives 
coverage. Right. But I think that like for a merchant, like if I, if I put my merchant hat on and, and speak from that lens, you know, if, if you think between, okay, here's BitCommerce, a publicly traded company, Shopify, publicly traded company, Adobe owns Magento, and then there's Shopware. Yep. And you think to yourself, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, if you tech stack aside, if you're trying to convince your peer or your superiors, what should you right. go with? That level of, hey, being the bootstrap company there, because I have that issue sometimes with enterprise customers where they look at our pricing and say, like, well, I the amount of like legal paperwork that we have to go through for some of our largest merchants is insane just because we're not owned by somebody. It, like to be an individual yep. entity is seen as like a negative connotation sometimes. Yeah, well, it's and it's it's an established risk. I mean, there is the the old but still entirely relevant. I don't know if it's an aphorism or what, but the you know, no one no one got fired for choosing IBM. I mean, I think these days, if like you if you decide on WebSphere, you might get fired. But yeah, people um, would, people would really that raise some eyebrows. But you know, it's just it, it's what what is a safe choice? And and I do put myself in the position of of merchants and agencies having to make these calls and, and like sort of like okay, I'm going to bet you know my company's well being or maybe my company's future, my own professional employee um, future, everything. future you know on on a platform and. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that is, that is a tremendous responsibility for any platform. And, you know, and, and I think, again, that's why it's imperative for every platform to really understand themselves so that we are making that good fit so that we, we are just as happy when a merchant is disqualified from using our platform in favor of another one. You know, I want the right, you know, the right fit for the right merchants at the, you know, at the, at the right times. You know, but we have a little more justification, I think, in the mar- in the eye of the market. So it started, uh, it started with Shopware showing up in the Magic Quadrant, which was which yep. happened ahead of me joining. But I was so glad to see it because it it let me know that Shopware was was operating at a higher level than I had seen in the past. Were you considering Shopware at the time, or was that sort of one of the first notions to think, oh, this is this is on the up and coming? No, no, I forget when that when that first news came out, but we were in the I think we were still in the throes of uh, I think that was 2020 and we were in the throes of pandemic stuff and I was mm-hmm. working on trying to save the business for some of our partners um, right. at the time when I was at Magento. But but I had been, you know, I'd been visiting Shopware and their community day had been a couple times already and I so I I was aware of them from uh so many of my German colleagues in the right. business who you know who were doing both Magento and Shopware and I really liked the company and what they were doing so always a, a happy you know a fan and always happy to just you know experience that ecosystem and then yeah towards the end of 2020 you know I just it, the news kind of filtered back that you know they might be interested to to have a chat and once those conversations started it was really clear and there was almost it was almost an imperative for me to to make the jump and see where we could take things because what we have this these days is you have you know you have groups like i think the industry group that has has the biggest share of conversation right now and and some of the the better marketing is is the mock alliance um mm-hmm. so you know this is a, a you know consortium of of platforms and technologies that are talking about, you know, compo- like composable microservice based commerce. And this is, this is, they have crafted a narrative, which is essential. They have crafted a narrative around their kind of business, which involves, you know, in, in varying to varying degrees, a, a black box around a core of APIs. In the case of Shopify, that's wrapped up behind a whole bunch of UI that allows, allows for sort of self-service, you know, <laughs> creation of your online presence. And then you have, you know, kind of at the other end, you have your like commerce tools, 
that are just this set of this set of of commerce endpoints that allow people to build whatever they want. Right. So, you know, and I think this, these, these business models and in their, in their various iterations or permutations have, they are each interesting and, and each, you know, varyingly applicable to, to any given merchant. Right. Where I think, uh, where I think shopware has, you know, we have uh, a mission and imperative is to make the case that we're not going to solve as a set of APIs or as a SaaS, a SaaS product. We are, as an industry, a long way off from solving all of the arbitrary complexity and requirements that exist in this space. Yeah, like PCI compliance, for example. Like that's PCI compliance, but like any any way that you know a business or a person wants to sell something to another business or another person, and how how those interactions happen across multiple channels, the rules that are involved, how the marketing happens, how the interactions are recorded and analyzed and how this is then, you know, varies from market to market. It's a really interesting problem like domain. Mm-hmm. And I think that all businesses are converging towards uh, more reliability where we're converging on just existing in, you know, in the cloud. But I think there remains a substantial, like a significant advantage when Merchants can have the control, merchants and their agencies or their development teams have right. the control to build or not build exactly what they need and what their customers need. And I would elaborate on that or build on that and say that innovation necessarily happens when you give someone sort of unrestricted capacity to do things. That's where innovation happens. So I would argue that. That's a fair point. That's a really good point. Like outside of outside of total market movements, like Shopify letting tech partners keep the first you know million in revenue, like that's that is an industry changing thing. And I don't want I don't discount that kind of impact, but innovation in terms of features and especially like how consumer expectations are going to evolve based on what merchants are doing, that innovation happens much more quickly and much more directly with open commerce platforms like shopware just because freedom is there yeah to your point on that our magento offering is still more substantial than our SaaS platforms because we do have that control yep it's not it's not for lack of effort you know there's just some things are black box in the SaaS platforms and you look at big commerce for example you know they're going for the open SaaS model and they gave us a checkout sdk and we remember being part of the beta of that so you know it's going that way but do you think that do you think that overlap is going to come of these SaaS platforms more coming open, or do you think you guys are going to go more towards the SaaS? Like, I, I see there's a gap. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- which way do you see pushing where? So, I think I think if we ignore brand names and just go to go up to technical or archaeological <laughs> architectural discussions, architectural, yeah. yeah, no, there's no there's no archaeology here just yet. And then, you know, SaaS and PaaS have a place. Mm-hmm. Arbitrary you know, API spaces have a, they have a place, you know, if you look at the self-managed solutions, if you look at the self-managed and, and, and platform as a service offerings, right. The big risk and always the concern there in the minds of, of merchants and the vendors supporting them is it's not necessarily total cost of ownership, but it Mm -hmm. is the, the level of assurance that you have around total cost of ownership. For example, Shopify can, iterate their platform, they can have a release, they can, they can add new features. But for marketing around that, you know, this stuff would just turn on, it would just exist. 
you know, for their, for their merchants. So like the mm-hmm. merchant, like w- one day they, they log into their platform and it has these features. The next day it might have a couple extra features at the core, you know, and then there's, and then there's the, the hosting question. So obviously their infrastructure is pretty robust and, and in general, merchants don't have to think about it. Merchants mm-hmm. and the agencies that are working with them don't have to think about that as much. Now this starts to break down as you, as you get a little more nuanced or as you look at, you know, if, if, Shopify updates some sort of functionality like subscriptions or something like that, then a whole host of vendors have to, you know, the integrations have to change how they work. But in general, which we see happen pretty often with Shopify. Yeah, I'm sure you will. You will see that on the regular now. And then there's the, the, the flip side to that, which is like the, the Magentos of the world where, you know, Magento, if you're self-managing a Magento instance, uh, then we know that, you know, upgrades, if you if you compare sort of line item apple to apple some things just don't exist you know for the saas platforms mm-hmm. that exist in the self-managed world and then there are there are the costs of developing features and and the level of complexity versus what you're trying to do so i think it's it is on us like shopware to make sure that we are doing the homework to make sure that we understand and we're communicating the expectations around our platform. So for example, this is exactly why I've recruited. So we, we're working with two vendors. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is a is an agency's agency named Kellerkinder. And so they've they've developed a white paper already looking at performance. And this is this is a very but this is a a sort of a business focused white paper on shopware's shopware's performance. Oh love that. But I'm I'm also working with Tideways, which is a really well known, really well respected PHP performance company based in Germany. And what we are doing, uh, myself uh, and Sander Mangel, we have an ongoing agreement with them where we're establishing the benchmark. We are reporting on this benchmark in a scientific way so that the tooling and the data, the outcomes, all of the stuff is going to be presented for you, dear reader, to then repeat and you can and you can use this and verify. Okay, well, I know Shopware works with five million SKUs, and then based on these other factors, I know I'm going to have. I would expect performance to be this, and then you can apply that to your own instance and see if that works. And then as time goes on, we're going to continue to get into more and more specific areas about this. So that kind of self awareness and that kind of expectation setting, I think will be a balance to the just inherent sort of, oh, my TCO is is not variable with with a SaaS platform. And I think you can start to then talk about the real costs of platforms. So, you know, for Shopify, it's not just $29 a month. There are other costs involved. And and there's Yeah, apps. Yeah. And there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that. But too often I see I see a lack of context and and a, a thorough lack of granularity when it gets when people start talking about the cost of ownership of their platform. Right. And, and it's, it's not just the literal costs that you're, you're laying out. It's also the opportunity costs of, okay, can I do the thing that I want to do? Or do I have to like, because I don't have total control, I'm going to have to like put these two apps together and kind of do this little hinky thing on the side to, to, to get exactly what I want. It's the whole, the whole business is just a continuum of these things being put together. And what I'm here for this year even ahead of the investment announcement is to put more of this expectation around understanding and being able to prove and remediate anything around performance, being able to have a valid and valuable contextual discussion around cost of ownership. Right. I want to make this as objective as possible. I would be happy if people are looking at 
people are taking shopware's research and thought leadership on this specific issue of opportunity cost, cost of ownership, and applying it in other situations. Well, because yeah, people are going to make a choice, you know, which which leads me to a question is, so Shopware is is one that I've come across, you know, in passing, Not I've not had a lot of direct experience with it. What do you guys see is your biggest like who who are people migrating from? Like in the case of in the case of going open source to open source, are you guys seeing a lot of homegrown solutions saying, "Hey, I'm sick of this, and this is a framework I can build on"? Or are you seeing more Magento, or is it? Are you taking people from the SaaS world because I, I would always expect it to go the other way? I think it's kind of like a combination sample bias, and maybe there's an availability heuristic here. But I think, and we are seeing somewhat a most addressable market is going to be anyone on a any kind of open source or self-managed solution. Right. And I think that's because you know the, a lot of the merchants that shows, especially like Magento 2, like they might have wanted to have been on a SaaS platform, but they just had, they had integrations or customizations mm-hmm. that weren't possible. And so they're, they might be looking to go to a different platform. So we, we, we know that there has been a lot of attrition from self-managed platforms. Like that's what I'm hearing from the hosting companies. That's what I'm hearing from technology vendors in the space. Have you seen TJ's series on this? TJ's doing the e-commerce overhaul. with It's a Magento One customer that's moving to big commerce. It's incredible. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I no, I did see this pop up. It's on my list that is way too long. So maybe on my flight to uh, bump it up Germany this weekend. Yeah, I, I, all I would say is bump it up. It's it's the production on it is like it's like something from TV. It's insanely good. Well, it's, it's TJ. It's TJ. But it's also exactly the kind of it's the kind of content that we need in this industry. It tells the story exactly. It's it's the conversations we have with customers that you know you can't listen into these phone calls. And I think for for y'all, it's super relevant because it's yep. somebody coming from those pain points and having a white paper that just says like, it just Shopware did the research. Like people are going to love that. Yeah. And I, again, I think if we're doing this research correctly, it will be just as much, uh, people could use it to disqualify themselves from our platform. But I would, I, I'd be really, really happy to even have our competitors referencing the stuff because it is so, it's so good that it, everyone knows about it. And it's just, it's so valid and valuable that it helps this industry be especially forthcoming when it comes to conversations around TCO. It's always fascinated me that every platform somehow has the best TCO. Oh yeah, everyone, yeah, for sure. And, and best TCO, best ROI. It's just, it's it's a miracle that this happens that way. And it's not your researcher, it's somebody else's. That's my favorite thing is like, no, this, this research company thought leadership from God knows what country said this, but my company no. says that. You mentioned incest earlier, so I think we need to dig in here. When I went to look for some market details, just to give an internal report and, and just some, in, some statistics around e-commerce in the US, the numbers are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like I, by some estimates, there are several hundred thousand. And by some estimates, there are, you know, 10 million e-commerce and others, there's like 2 million e-commerce stores in the US. And all the numbers were racket. I found actually a lot of people citing that didn't pay for Statista, citing like Statista charts and saying, yeah, here are the numbers, you know, here, here are the numbers for 2020, but you go and you look and what they're referencing is actually a projection from 2017 mm-hmm. about business in 2020. It was driving me bonkers. And that's actually why um, one of the conversation points I've had with uh, Future Commerce, because they're doing a lot of, you know, Brian and uh, Philip and then that whole team are really you know, cranking up multiple sort of on multiple channels and providing a lot of good 
material in this space. So, you know, kind of stay tuned to that. I love their stuff. I referenced the Henry article, the yep. high earning, not rich yet. I yep. talk, that's like one of my like conversations I say at like the bar, if I don't know what to talk about and I look so smart. Yep. Yeah. You can, you can reference that or, or, uh, you know, or car, you know, Carly, anything Carly, by yep. like web, web, web Smith and 2 PM. Like these, these are, these are people who are just there, you know, they're doing the work and, and I think they are adding, you know, adding value here and adding just real meat for, um, or, or healthy tofu for our, the merchants who, who, you know, who at the end of the day, man, they just, they, they've got a product that they believe in and they want to get it to the people who will enjoy it and, and benefit from it. And that's all we're doing here. Absolutely. I want to go back to a number thing that you mentioned. So one of the things that I saw in the press release was, and I might be saying this wrong and you're gonna have to correct me, okay. but it was like shopware powering a hundred thousand different, was it websites or was it, what was that? Cause a hundred thousand is a lot of anything. Yeah. It's a hundred. I think there's a hundred thousand. So we have a, we do have a, I think it's brands. It said 100,000 brands, but not websites, I think was the specificity there. It sounds about right. And we do have we do have some tracking. So you can look at built with, you can look at the data. And then we have we have our own internal uh, business platform mm-hmm. where we you know, once we kind of get a, a ping or an awareness of a site, it, it you know just gets kind of slurped into that machine. Now, a lot of those, still a majority of those, although soon it won't be a majority are running shopware five, the previous version. Right. Um, which is, you know, is, is, you know, it feels, it feels fairly legacy and is maybe even less suited for business outside of, um, outside of Europe. But you know, they, they provided shopware provided a healthy ramp for shopware five merchants when they announced the end of life. So I think that's still, that end of life is still not planned until 24, uh, 24, like mid 20, uh, 2024. You think Alan's going to get pushed too? I don't think so. I don't think so because I think they, they provided a long enough ramp that that's where you get into the opportunity costs of a platform. Right. If, if you're on that platform and working well, that's, that's great. But at some point, if you're not benefiting from a platform that's seeing ongoing core development, you know, you're going to have to increasingly invest just to keep up with what's normal in the e-commerce landscape. What is normal with the ever evolving consumer expectations and so I think that that organic there there will be a lot of organic migration pressure, mm-hmm. and then I think we'll have uh, you know we'll we'll obviously be we'll be encouraging those merchants to make the jump to Shopware six. The migration path is not entirely dissimilar from Magento like as it was for Magento one, right. Magento two, simply because like Shopware six was a a complete ground up not even a rebuild. It was, it was a new build. And that was another thing that I think was necessary, but it's also been, it's provided clear advantage in, you know, in the current platform landscape because Magento 2, a lot of the core code was just, we created the, the, the Magento 2 idiom of like how things would be done and how, Mm -hmm. you know, the architecture and how customizations we built. And then a lot of that, that code was just, was just converted from Magento 1 into the Magento 2 idiom. And, you know, that, that was certainly an approach. And then there was you know, additional architectural flexibility and maturity baked in. I can appreciate, though, that Shopware took the time to just build the latest version from scratch. And it allowed us to really keep things nice and clean. There is, you know, there is of course, complexity. You have to have complexity to have flexibility at a developer level. But complexity can be simple. I think that's the thing that people yes. consider is complexity can be simple. It, the complex yeah. doesn't have to be complex. And that's, and that's where, you know, when I get into conversations during the, the rare conference or meeting about 
a level of complexity between like shopware six and magento two yeah what I, what I, what we know from agencies who are doing both shopware six is inherently less complex that is not necessarily an advantage right there are some there are some customizations that might be so deep and so granular that the complexity in magenta two that allows for that kind of customization ends up, you know, sort of paying off. Mm-hmm. But I think that that kind of deep level of customization is more of an outlier than it is the norm. So, you know, but it, the, the nice thing is it allowed us to have a very clean basis on the Symphony framework and to actually use, you know, avail ourselves of, you know, the existing and future feature set of something like Symphony. And a lot of the things that you see, like our, you know, event observer system in Shopware 6 is, is largely derived and it just, it basically bubbles up from Symfony's own event observer architecture. And that means, you know, without having a lot of interstitial, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, levels of configuration and, and hooks, you know, in there. You end up with a with a I think a cleaner overall footprint. I I really like the way you said it, and it feels more familiar too. I mean, if you're if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna mirror you know not mirror if you're gonna pull inspiration from something that everyone's using, you know what's wrong with that? Yeah, and that that is that was I think another goal for that approach is that you know you should be able to find is Symphony has a worldwide developer ecosystem exactly, and and you should like a Symphony developer of, of any experience should feel comfortable and should be able to ramp up quickly on the you know, at least on the architecture, our architecture and idioms of, of the shopware framework. Now, it's always the case in any e-commerce platform, you know, you can have great developers involved, but you also have to, you have to teach them e-commerce. You have to teach them, you know, consumer needs. You have to teach them operations needs. So, you, you know, customizations of both the front and the back end. Yeah, why would you why would you want to edit this order? Like what, what, what needs to happen there? That's, that's the thing we found with business logic with developers when they join us. It's not that you can't code. It's the, hey, this is this happens for this reason. And that's one yeah. of those inherent things that it's harder to teach that. And I think people give credit for. Yeah, the user, the user land space. I mean, in the in the time, my time as a developer educator and, and store admin educator for Magento and then also you know, running the incubator at, at Blue Acorn. I could take really green developers and really have to teach them like fresh out of uh, comp sci comp sci degree. And I'd have to really teach them how the web worked and teach them PHP mm-hmm. and then teach them, you know, MVC, basic things that I would have thought a decent comp side degree would get you, but get them the practical stuff. And then you, then you start to introduce the architectural things of whatever framework you're working with. And then you have to teach them e-commerce. So e- even if I'd find like a Java developer who could take to uh, something like Magento in a, in a heartbeat, you still have to spend time to teach them the e-commerce problem domain. And how the opinions of any framework fit into that. And, and that shapes how you build really elegant solutions on top of, well, elegant and maintainable solutions on top of a platform of choice. For sure. I actually learned the other way. So I, I, I have a degree in industrial engineering and I took some coding classes, but I, I learned the business and then I learned, oh, okay, the logic is this, which, which kind of, it was, it was the reverse, but it was really helpful. Yeah. Like me. So I have two last things. I know we're getting up on time. Somebody like me, not very technical, how could shopware be friendlier? How could I get started with it? Because, you know, I, I know my words. I've got Rails as a front end guy for a little while. Like what is it worth dipping your toe in? And like what would that route be? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen we're seeing agencies and we're seeing personalities jump over to the shopware ecosystem. Uh Mateus Contillo from um I saw that. Yeah, from uh from Brazil is now, you know, he's now 
come out as a as a you know, shopware like ecosystem developer ecosystem proponent. How do you get that money to get him there? You got that hundred mil, and he's like, "All right, I'll come." Get the hundred milli. It's like, okay, okay, I'll take half. He, he'll have to take me to a good churrascaria, then I'll be I'll be good. Um, <laughs> so I, one of the things I I also love about shopware is they just they were doing already instinctively the things that I wish I'd been able to get done and occasionally try to get done at at Magento, which is things like our education. Our you know, our education is all free. Mm-hmm. So as a developer, especially, you can ramp up. And the and one of the cool things they did was work with a, a funny little Dutch guy named Jesse Reitzma to build like a 20-hour shopware for Magento developers series. Uh, I mean, oh, you don't nice. necessarily – you don't have to. You don't necessarily have to have the Magento experience. Like I think, if you're a good developer, you will learn mm-hmm. everything you need to know about Shopware from his series. It's freely available. At least the first, you know, first I think section is freely available on YouTube, and then you can just you register with a Shopware Academy. But what about like what about so like e-commerce directors, non-technical? Is there is there a path for knowledge around that? Is that something you guys are interested in? Yes, I, and I think we have as a task to uh, look at the journey of developers and practitioners in mm-hmm. our space and and make it more clear that journey thing. I mean the, the the brand that I've seen that has the best has done the best branding and storytelling around this is Salesforce. So they have their whole Trailblazers program and you just love it. Yeah, they're so good. You start like you I know like day 1 I'm just I'm I'm a babe in the woods. I don't know what I'm doing, but but if I if you if as a platform we can give you clear, you know, sort of a a clear first step and then like, oh, there's a waypoint off in the distance. Then you can start to build your own, you know, build and work your own path and know, okay, I've been doing this for six months. I should, I should have this certification. I've been doing this for a year. I might have this certification by now. And here are the tools that I use to get there. And here's where I go when I need specific help on the work that I'm doing. And that's how, you know, that's just, that's how ecosystems grow. Um, so right. we're, we're, we're putting a lot of effort also into just general ecosystem development. I mean, if nothing else, you know, I think my brand has always been one of you know, openness and honesty and approachability. You know, these are the kinds of things where I love to collaborate with our ecosystem and learn from, learn from their needs, learn what we're doing that's good, and then identify the, the, the opportunities that, that are still out there for us to really build around. I think that white paper is going to be a really good kind of first jumping point because I think to myself, like how I, like the only way I figured out how to do Magento was one, I was very lucky that I worked when we were very small with Karen. And two, I just read everything that Inchu's blog had. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, now that I've kind of moved away from, you know, dealing with anything technical on a daily, weekly or monthly basis, you know, you have some of that atrophy. So like looking for that, I haven't found like my step yet or like my foothold into like the whole shopware community not in a negative way because like I read yep. it and I'm following it, but I haven't had my hook yet. I haven't gotten my hook yet. My me personally, not the company overall, because I know we're working on something. But like my hook, it's a little tough. It's a little tough here because like in the U.S., the the open source affiliation and and culture is it's a it's different than like it is in Europe. But right, it, it, there there is there is the whole the need to have a critical mass of businesses and personalities. We are working on this, right? So I have I have a lot of the a lot of the familiar faces are becoming you know coming involved. And, you know, we're working with JetRail. We're partners with JetRails and WebScale. We are you know we have some some new partners who've come on board recently. We that started with Web Solutions Studio in, in New York and then ITG, and uh, recently signed Wagento, 
was a name we all know. Shout out Wagento. Yeah, what's up, Brent? So, you know, we'll, you'll see a lot of the same faces, but, you know, it's not, it's not the same thing because it's a different time and it's a different product. It's a different marketing, like, like operating environment. I'm just looking forward to, to building this relationship because at the end of the day, outside, outside of, of small aspirational, like, like Soho merchants, small office, mm-hmm. home office merchants, you know, the commerce journey more and more requires customization. It requires, you know, customization is differentiation and it requires us, it requires ecosystem partnerships. So that's not just the merchant and the platform. It's never like, it's never like a, a two, a two entity thing. It's always a combination, a combination of vendors working together in collaboration. And that I think is where we will win a lot of hearts and minds is making sure that we become the ideal operating platform partner in here and just become enablers for all of the business that that needs to happen in order for a merchant and their customers to get the experience, the commerce experience that they need. All right, I'm in. I'm going to like work on my technical thing. I'm going to read it. You sold me on that. Okay. My, my last thing that my last thing to ask you about is I think I did a LinkedIn survey because like I felt left out because everyone doesn't, but it was about going to shop talk. Yep. You guys are going to shop talk, correct? I, I plan to be at shop talk. Are you doing a booth? Are, are you going to, when's the, when is the flag going to start getting planted at like either the com, like physical conferences with you guys? In consultation and partly because of the timeline, I didn't decide yet at least to do a booth at Shop Talk. And I think most of the booth space is, is sold out. So it, it's, it looks like. Well, it's because it's, it's, they just keep re, like ours was going to be last year. And then it was the year I think we paid in 2019 for 2020. Okay. So like we paid for this like forever ago. Okay. Like, I forgot we even had a booth. So we, we, we will have a booth at IRCE or okay. re, retail innovation or whatever it's called now. Mm-hmm. So we will be there in Chicago, May 10th, 11th. And then we'll, you know, we'll be doing things in the lead up, but I will be out at conferences. I will probably have a couple of my partners, uh, my buddies from Germany with me. Okay. And then I'm going to be hiring soon Ooh. in the US. I, I expected to have um, at least a small team around me. So I have some German colleagues who are going to come over and join me this year. But um, you know, I always plan to have a few you know, North America, possibly Latam based people working with me here. But I expect now that the announcement is out and now that the the clear there's a clear we we have we have the mission to really mm-hmm. really unlock business in the U.S. Uh, I expect to have a growing healthy team here this year. Could we work something out? And I, this is this is a free offer. Do you want to do a sort of shopware AMA on our booth for a couple hours? Come hang out, preach the good word of shopware, bring some of your swag. Absolutely, I uh, I have I have cases of swag. It was a real pain to get them over here, but I got it. I can do that. You got to bring your own. You got to bring your own and get rid of it because we have to bring our swag too. But no, I th- I think it'd be great. I you know if you guys don't have that presence, we'd love to have it. Not not only for our you know knowledge, but for you know the community as well. Because I think that at the end of the day is our our goal is to get as many people in e-commerce as possible. I don't really care what platform they're on. That is incredibly generous of you, and that sounds like something you know a partner would do for another partner. <clears throat> partner would do that for another partner. 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 Well, on, on that note, uh, if you guys would like to find out more information on Shopware, you can go to their website or March 27th through 29th. I don't know what day. You can probably find Ben Marks with a bunch of uh, Shopware stuff on our booth. Is that Vegas? Yeah, Vegas. It's in the I was talking to I was talking to Ollie. It's at I think it's at Mandalay Bay. But he was like, hey, are you going to stay at the wind too just because we miss it? And I was like, I don't <laughs> no. hate the idea of that. He put that in my head and I was like, I kind of uh, think I'm going to stay at the wind. I miss the pillows. Uh, 
I know the win. Gosh, the win. Always so nice. Can't wait to get back there. But um, yeah, so I, I, I will be around. And then if you want to reach out to me, I'm obviously, well, obviously I'm, I'm available on Twitter at Ben Marks and I'm also easily reached by email, ben at shopware.com. And now these days, even I spend some time on LinkedIn. I have to admit. I noticed that. It's funny because I saw, I, I remember it was always like, Ben, I'm not, I don't do LinkedIn or whatever it said way back in the day. And I saw you did the survey and I was like, man, Ben's, Ben's on the, uh, he's on the beat. He's getting some work done. Well, it's, it's, you got, you got to go where the people are. And even if I'm, I'm loathe for all of the noise that exists at LinkedIn at the end of the day, it does get me connected to people. And again, well, this business is all about connections and the stories that we tell and share with each other. So I'm happy to, to reminisce and I'm happy to help write and be a part of new stories in the future. Awesome. We heard of your first. Uh, thank you, Ben Marks. And thank you for everyone for listening today. Have a good one.